the Observer's Calendar for January 2024 on episode 386 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up in the night sky, and this podcast is for everybody who enjoys going out under the stars. Happy New Year, Shane. Same to you, sir. Uh, it feels weird. We haven't talked to each other in quite some time, and that's strange for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that is a good point that that I think was our first sort of real official proper break. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've sort of taken some pseudo breaks, but in the past we've just stacked up some recordings and kind of released them in our normal cadence. But this holiday season was pretty busy for both of us. So it just didn't really uh, fit into our schedules. So there was a, I think a week where there was no new episodes. So does that make this now season two of the actual astronomy podcast? Maybe. Yeah, I guess that could be our season break. <laughs> Stay tuned for 385 more consecutive episodes. Yep, our, our 385 episode seasons. Mm-hmm. So uh, for Christmas, I get a throat infection again. Yeah, yeah, you don't sound normal. Yeah, so, well, never sound normal. The voice isn't so good. So my apologies to you and the listeners. We will do our best, Shane. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do here and uh um you know this episode we always post the show notes too so uh if you're interested in any of the uh, events or things to look at that we talk about it will be on actualastronomy.com mm-hmm. i think it didn't help that i was out last night for several hours doing astronomy so we don't stop that no All right well and well, I don't know if we'll get into it this episode or the next one, but our weather here has been outstanding for winter mm-hmm. and uh, like warm and clear. It's just been amazing for astronomy lately. Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, try to keep these a little bit on the brief side simply because uh, as people can hear, my voice is more like a cement mixture than anything. On January 3rd, Earth is going to be at perihelion which basically means it's uh, closest point to the sun being 147,000,600,632 kilometers or 91.4 million miles from the sun chain. Any Mm. plans to visit the sun recently? None at all. Uh, Just hoping for a little more warmth from that sun. Have you been doing any solar observing? Yes, I have. Quite a bit, in fact, uh, just over the break. So I've been... Not working for the last uh, almost two weeks. And like I say, it's really been clear here almost every day, I think. And every day I've looked at the sun, the moon, some of the planets. It's it's really been quite nice. Nice. Yeah. And the sun, like I've been primarily looking at it in hydrogen alpha. And, uh, you know, there's just never a shortage of things to look at with hydrogen alpha. And it does change every day pretty much. So uh, it's always fun. I I quite enjoy that type of astronomy. January 4th, we're going to have the quadranted meteor shower. I think that's one of those defunct constellations. Mm. And this one used to sit somewhere, I guess, up in between Boots and Draco, because that's where the radiant is. Shane, this... uh, this quadratic meteor shower uh, should be a pretty good one. Yeah. It has a uh, zenithal hourly rate of 60 to 200 meters an hour. So first of all, maybe we'll lean on you to talk a little bit about uh, what a radiant is and uh, and what a zenithal hourly rate is. Yeah, so the radiant is basically just like 
almost a point of origin or, or where they will appear to originate from. And, you know, not that it's a, a well-defined point in the sky, but if you were to photograph a meteor shower, you would see that they sort of come from a general area. Uh, and that's how they often get their name is, is, you know, like they'll be named after the constellation for which they, uh, you know, sort of appear to originate from. And then the ZHR, the Zenith hourly rate is roughly, you know, if you were to just stare up at Zenith, uh, so straight overhead, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the count or the ZHR is what the estimates are for how many meteors you would see just looking straight up. So in this case, 60 to 200 per hour is huge. Like that's a very, uh, a very busy meteor shower. Um, especially if it got to that 200 ish point, you know, seeing a meteor every 30 seconds is, uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I've seen a few like that. And I think the only downside to this one is that, uh, the moon is going to be uh, around its last quarter. Actually, the moon's last quarter that night. Okay. Okay. Oh, and my math was bad. It would be about a meteor every 20 seconds if it hit 200. We're going to hold you to that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> right. And you should. Keep me honest here. <laughs> January 7th, we finally are, are getting these double shadow transits back for our hemisphere. So I, I think last year it seemed like Every time we had a double shadow transit, uh, Jupiter uh, was in the night sky for Europe or somewhere else in the world. We, we weren't getting them. But this one, on January 7th, we have two shadows, and I should have put them in here, but I didn't, um, for which uh, moon's there. But we have two of the moons of Jupiter casting their shadows on the cloud tops of Jupiter, and this is going to occur at approximately uh, 9.08 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So that is a uh, pretty nice evening event there. Yeah, yeah, the shadow transits are always fun. Um, hopefully our clear, warm nights uh, continue and that we can observe uh, that one here in just a few days. And Jupiter is high in the south all evening, uh, setting up in Aries, but it's really on the uh, Pisces, Cetus, Aries border region kind of place uh was looking at it last night and um uh, there's there's a lot of cloud band activity for uh, for people who who want to go and take a look with the telescope mm -hmm. well and like for us northern observers it's exceptionally well positioned it's quite high in the sky so we're getting kind of out of the murkiness of the atmosphere um you know saturn is a little low uh this year so mm. you know the atmosphere uh, for me anyway, has prevented me from using any serious magnification, but where Jupiter is, uh, if you have a good night of seeing, um, you know, you could really get some great views. Mm, even last night, honestly, the seeing wasn't amazing. It was, it was, I would say just in the average zone, it was, it was okay. Like it was average seeing, but you could really see the detail because it's so high up for us here. Mm -hmm. Really yeah. nice. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And again, just combined with the abnormal, abnormally warm uh, winter that we're having, it's it's just, uh, you got to get out there every night that you can and mm -hmm. take advantage of it. And so, uh, be the, what would be a good way to find Jupiter right now, Saturn, um, Shane, for people? <laughs> I just called you Saturn, so oh. you're, you're, you're really uh, you know, getting, getting moved up in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so... The best way to find Jupiter for me anyway, is just to go out, look south, 
and it's going to be the highest, brightest thing in the southern sky. It is really quite uh, quite bright. Um, any other ways somebody might be able to find it just if they were brand new to it? Um, well, you know, I guess you could use some planetarium software to help identify it. Um, but I'm the same as you. I just, you know, especially if you're out um, before um, say Orion has risen, mm. uh, it's easily the brightest thing in the sky. Now, after Orion has risen, that means, uh, Sirius is, you know, probably up in the sky as well. And, you know, that'll compete with Jupiter for, for brightness, but it'll be much, much lower. Uh, Jupiter is quite high as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, on January 8th, we have Venus six degrees North of the moon and also on the 8th, Mercury, the moon, and Venus, they form this really beautiful triangle in the morning sky. Hmm. Nice. This was, this was one of those, um, when I'm working on the observer's calendar for the uh, RASC, um, I go through and take a look at the planetary configurations, you know, and how they actually are going to look in the morning sky or evening sky or whatever. And when I was going through it, this this wasn't highlighted by anything else, but I just noticed that at least for us anyway, um, in uh, North America, Shane, that uh, the Venus, Moon, and Mercury, they do form this uh, this really neat triangle that morning. I think that's going to look like something, um, make a great astro image, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, very cool. Mercury uh, on the 9th is going to be 7 degrees above the Moon. And I think that uh, the pairings of Venus, the Moon, and Mercury... And then the moon and Mercury on the ninth. Um, I think these are going to be pretty neat uh, events to see, simply because Mercury can be pretty difficult to see anyway. And we have uh, new moon on the eleventh, uh, but Mercury is going to be at its greatest morning elongation, which which basically means uh, it's going to be the best time to see Mercury in the morning sky anyway, and perhaps the best time to see Mercury for twenty twenty four um on january 12th or you know like i said a few days either side because it's going to be two degrees or sorry 24 degrees away from the sun hmm. just to be very careful right when we're observing mercury mercury is the closest planet to the sun and it does appear that way in the sky so you are going to be observing it as the sky is brightening so you have to use um common sense and uh proper safety for example make sure you know when the sun comes up your time and uh for me anyway i'm not gonna be doing any astronomy once the sun is up but i will um, be looking at mercury right up to the point uh when the sun comes up above the horizon just just to be uh, erring on the side of caution and also it works well to put a building or something between you and where that sun is going to rise so that as you're observing mercury you you have that extra um bit of safety there mm -hmm. yeah yeah, 24 degrees is quite a gap, so it is a, a good opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to give that one a shot, I think. Uh, and maybe you'll even get up early in the morning, Shane. I'm just looking, what day of the week is that? The 12th is a it's Friday. Friday. Mm -hmm. There you yeah, go. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Well, I'll be up, I guess, for work anyway. So, yeah, I could probably take that in. Yeah, it should be good. And then um, on January 14th, Saturn is going to be two degrees north of the moon, but not here in North America. It's pretty far away for us, I think. So mm -hmm. not really an event for us, but maybe for our listeners um, who aren't in North America, they can take a look for that one. January 15th, uh, Neptune is going to be uh, less than just under 
a degree north of the moon, and there's an occultation for those in Western Antarctica. Shane, any plans to visit Antarctica this January? Big desire, but no plans, unfortunately. I would like to get there before my time on this earth ends, but uh, no no official plans. Yeah, you go to uh, South Georgia Island or the Sandwich Islands. Oh. Unfortunately, not named for any good sandwiches. They're named after some sort of British bloke, I guess. It's too bad. Sandwich Islands. I do, I do like a good sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? All right. <laughs> Especially with your occultation. Yes. All right. January 18th, we have the first quarter moon in Jupiter, three degrees south of the moon. So that's going to be kind of a neat event because three degrees is uh, pretty close in the sky. How, how far is three degrees and how, you know, we're talking degrees here, Shane. How can people figure out what three degrees is, five degrees, all this business? Yeah. So one finger is kind of like, so if you hold out your hand at arm's length and hold up one finger, that's close to one degree. Three fingers is typically three degrees uh, or sorry, five degrees. I mean, and, uh, you know, that gives you a little frame of reference for how close, um, Uranus will be to the moon. Uh, three degrees is quite close. Um, easy in most binoculars, I think, to get those both in the field of view. Um, mm. And depending on, you know, if you have a telescope, depending on what you have, you might be able to fit that into a telescope field of view as well. Although that's mm -hmm. getting a little bit wide for some telescopes. Mm -hmm. Binoculars though. Yeah, for sure. Binoculars. Yeah. So I think you read Heveline because on the 19th, Uranus is going to be three degrees south of the moon. So we have. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I know, but it's, but it really is kind of a cool thing where yeah. on the 18th, we have Jupiter three degrees south of the moon. Next thing, we have Uranus three degrees south of the moon. So it's, it's a neat opportunity to go and take a look. And because Jupiter, you know, like we we're saying, pretty much just about the easiest thing to see in the nighttime sky right now, throw your binoculars on it, you can see the moons of Jupiter little telescope will start showing the bands uh but you know that will be like a nice warm-up if you've never done this before you can take a look for jupiter and the moon together and then the following night uh uranus is going to be three degrees like you were saying shane so that will be a little bit more difficult because i think uranus is around just a little bit brighter than sixth magnitude right now so that'll be a little bit more challenging yeah that'll be a little bit difficult um uh, just due to it not being quite as bright, but, um, still, still worthwhile trying to observe that. And if you have a telescopes, uh, the other thing to look for there is if you can see any color, uh, observing Uranus, um, you know, if it jumps out at you, uh, some people, uh, report greens or blues when, when looking at Uranus, but typically you need some decent aperture for that. Sounds good. Also on the 19th, we have the lunar straight wall visible on the 19th. Uh, what is the lunar? Is this one of those escarpment things? And have you seen mm -hmm. the lunar straight wall before? Yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. Um, it's uh, a clair obscure effect, you know, a, a play of light and shadow with how the uh, sun illuminates some of the surface features on the moon. And it just looks like a, a big black straight line on the moon. It's quite neat to observe. Um, and there's a number of these effects that occur all of the time. Um, and the lunar straight wall is one of the easier ones to observe. Right on. 
so on January 20th, the moon is going to be uh, less than a degree south of the Pleiades or the M45 star cluster. That could be a pretty neat event to see in the uh, binoculars too, Shane, I think. Yeah, yeah. The Pleiades is is uh, probably best framed in binoculars just because of how big it is. And uh, to have the moon right there too would be quite pretty. I meant to put some more details in on this, but with with my voice the way it is, I thought we'll we'll keep we'll keep it brief. But asteroid three fifty four, Eleonora, is at opposition on the twentieth as well at magnitude nine point seven, a little fainter one too. But for those that are uh, looking to track down some asteroids, uh, there's one for you. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, be a little challenging. You probably would want at least three or four inches of aperture for that one. I would think. I would think so. Yeah. On the 25th of January, the moon is going to be full. So you can go and look at the moon if you want, or you can take a break like Shane and I will be. And hopefully that's when our clouds move in and maybe we get a little dump of snow and do some snowshoe. There you go. On the 27th, I don't know if this is going to be visible or not, but um, we're going to have Mercury and Mars 0.2 degrees apart in the morning sky. But I don't know about that one. I feel like that is a... Uh, too difficult an observation, but I put it in anyway. Hmm. Maybe it's photographic. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe one thing of interest there would be 2024 will be a favorable opposition for Mars for us here to observe. So it might be kind of neat to start the year with a Mars observation and then continually looking at it throughout the year as it gets closer and closer to us. Let's see. Yeah. September looks like, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, July 23rd to 19th opposition is on September 20th oh, for Mars this year. Yeah. It's not too shabby. That should be pretty nice. Any plans for Martian observing this year, Shane? Uh, just to observe it as much as I can. Um, you know, every two years, Mars becomes a, for me anyway, a high priority object to observe. Um, because we, we do have a narrow window, uh, to observe it. Um, and you know, the, the details can be sometimes challenging or fleeting and it just makes for a fun object to observe. Yeah. I'll almost just be observing Mars for a period of time there. I imagine, um, just simply because it's such a cool object to observe. Uh, I've got a lot of specialized gear just for observing Mars and, um, uh, yeah, just seeing those clouds on the deserts. You know, I always try to get at least a couple of views of those during an opposition. And uh, yeah, that always is, is really, really cool. I think it's pretty small this time though around. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're like, while it's a favorable opposition, um, you know, compared to other oppositions, it's not, you know, super wonderful. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's, it's still an opportunity and, um, you know, I guess we'll see what details we can observe. Uh, I looked up a couple comets to see, I actually went looking for a comet last night, but I, I couldn't find it. This, this enigmatic, uh, 12 P ponds Brooks, have you had a chance to take a look at this one? No, I haven't. It's, um, uh, it, it's a comet it's supposed to be about 11th magnitude, but it keeps flaring up. And I think I'm missing the nights. Like I I've gone after it a few times now, but I think I'm just missing the nights when it's flared up like it's it's been flaring up it'll be bright for a few days or a week or so and then it kind of chills back down um supposed to be around 11th magnitude it's been getting up into the mid eighth magnitudes and each time it seems like it's getting brighter these flare-ups have been occurring i think since like july 
so for like six months now almost okay. and i think opposition is like or the closest approach is in the spring like sometime like in april or may or something so we're still several months away from when it's going to be at its closest point so if it keeps doing this uh i think it's something to keep an eye open for definitely um this last outburst people were seeing it in binoculars uh, i think i just missed it by a few days but uh next time yeah for sure i'm gonna you know hopefully have have my clear nights and not be sick so be able to get out and take a look at it mm -hmm. yeah that sounds good i did highlight a date though um for this 12 p ponds brooks i know we have um observers with wide field telescopes and people who like to do astro imaging on january 11th at least uh, according to my software and calendar uh, january 11th in the evening uh ponds brooks passes i think it's just like a few degrees south of the crescent nebula and i, I know a lot of these folks uh listening have like 60 50 odd millimeter uh wide field refractors for doing these like nice wide field images and uh i think you'd be able to get lots of that sort of central uh, i think it's like anyway it it's the nebulosity that's around that middle star in uh in cygnus then the name is escaping me right now but uh you should be able to get that nebula maybe the crescent nebula and ponds brooks sort of all together in the same field of view i think it'd be pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah that's another great opportunity for people uh particularly imagers I want to see if you can pronounce the name of the other comet I put in here. I cannot. Neither can I. 62P. So 62P Sushishin, I'm going to say. Uh, Midnight Magnitude just puts it on our radar. And uh, this one is getting fainter. Um, it's up in Leo. So yeah, if you're really into looking at comets and have like a six inch or eight inch or larger telescope, probably this... Uh, this would be something maybe to uh, go and try to hunt down, but you're going to need to run it in your uh, planetarium software. I don't think you're going to pick that one up just sweeping based on your notes. Yeah. And there's a, a silent T as in Tom at the, at the, or as the first letter in this comet name, in case you're wanting to look it up. Okay. 62 P though. That's yes. the one. Yes. yes. And My again, we will post the show notes so you can see the proper spelling there. If you're interested in chasing this one down. And my pronunciations may be a tad off today, as you can hear. All well, right. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Shane. No, no, I, I've got nothing. All right. Uh, so that's kind of what I put in the notes for today, Shane. Did you have anything to uh, add in here? Uh, no, no, I don't really have anything else to add to the list. Um, Good time know, I think for Jupiter... seeing Orion. You, What's you that? Were talk, you were talking about seeing Orion. I think it's this is sort of Orion's prime time. Yeah, yeah. What I'm hoping to observe this month is Jupiter as much as I can, um, just because of how well positioned it is. And then, um, yeah, like kind of in and, in and around Orion, there's a number of double stars on the RASC double star list that I'm working through. Ooh. that I'm hoping to knock off. Um, you know, the challenge for us here, Chris, you know, as you're well aware, any of these lists that we work on, the winter objects are often the most challenging just due to the temperatures and the cloudiness that we typically experience. So this winter with it being very warm and very clear, I'm hoping to, you know, capitalize on the opportunity and observe as much of this kind of winter stuff as I possibly can, because we don't get opportunities like this too often here. 
There you go. We should do we should do one on Orion soon. I put it in the observer's handbook this year. Have all kinds of notes on it. We could combine my notes with your notes on the double stars and do a show. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Concluding message. Please subscribe. My throat will get better only if we get more subscribers. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, share the show with other people that are into astronomy or might be. And you can always send us your ideas, observations, and questions to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>